Welcome to New Shooter Canada. Please remember that the show's content and word pronunciation is simply the opinion of the hosts and their guests. Well, I like guns, I love being free. Because I'm armed, you can't take that from me. And you should know it. You should know it. Hello and welcome to New Shooter Canada, episode 250. Woohoo! We did it, guys. Can you believe it? Most of of us did. Yes, most Most of us us did. did. We finally made it. Um, So, a special surprise. We finally are looking to upload on YouTube, hence why we are on StreamYard. We're trying something different. So, um, uh, hopefully this all works out as I still try and uh, stumble through figuring out how to... Uh, do all the tech stuff in behind. So my name is Amanda. I am your hostess this evening. And of course, I have these two lovely gentlemen. We've got Jay. Good evening, Jay. How's it going, guys? Oh, we're peachy keen. And then, of course, I have Josh. Hello. How's it going? Yeah. So uh, we are doing fantabulous. So 250, pretty exciting. And you know what? The February has been... A busy month, and I think we'll just get right on into it. So, how about we start off with what we did in guns? So, let's talk to Jay first. Jay, what did you do in guns? Oh boy, I did quite a bit. Well, we'll just keep it to uh, well, how about today? Uh, was that the club? <laughs> did a bit of shooting at the club today. We practiced um, for ORPS, so we kind of set up our props and uh, rung some steel. Um, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, introduced a few people to um, just the ballistic app that I use, and a few people were playing around with it. It's just a Knight's Armament Bullet Flight. It's old. I don't even know if it's supporting more, but it's what I use because I know it. And it worked out. It worked really great for a lot of people. So it was a lot of fun playing with that. Um, and other than that, that's about it. That was yeah. my. That was pretty much what my week was just uh, playing with uh, ORPS stuff. Well, that's very cool, and yeah. we'll lead into that a little bit more later because we're going to talk about. Um, Jay's first hosting of an ORPS match and Josh and I uh, were able to attend. So that was awesome and support Jay on his endeavor into ORPS at uh, the Huronia uh, Gun Club there. So Josh, why don't you let us know what you did in guns? Well, we've done a few things. Uh, a few weeks ago, Amanda and I had a very gunny weekend. We had another breakfast shoot at our club and I did win handgun again and I won scoped rifle. So this is kind of a call to everybody else. Stop letting me get away with this because yeah. I'm, I'm not that good a shooter. So <laughs> there's, there's, shooter. there's points to be had there. Mm. Um, so after that, we, we headed down to London, uh, went to Bullseye North, went to Goebbels. Uh, we we're looking for shooting bags. As Amanda alluded to, we were attending the ORPS match. So, I mean, I kind of been looking at this stuff for a while and wanting to get uh, a little more into it because I actually I did attend an event last year around this time. And it kind of gave me the bug, but I just never really went into it. So we we started shopping around, and I, I found a bag I really liked, uh, the Caldwell Tack Driver. Um, had my eye on it for a while. Thought it would be handy. This little guy here, this octopusy guy. It's got a very pleasing shape. Lots of knot nubbins here, and you know, looks got some non non slip stuff here. It looked like it would be really good. So. Uh, I, I, and then I saw that Jay bought it, so I thought, you know, that's that's what I need. So 
if it's good enough for Jay, it's good good enough for me. <laughs> so then I found out that he returned it. <laughs> he didn't like it. <laughs> so um, I'm stuck with it, though. I, I got it on sale, so it's it's not that bad. Valentine's Day promo code that they had. So yeah, it was, everything, everything was 14% off. off. Yeah. Yes. Oh, That's good. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not, I'm not mad about it. But uh, we grabbed some 22 ammo for Amanda. We we're trying to decide what to use for her. Um, she doesn't like the waxy bullets, but she'll talk about that later. Um, got some 38 special for me. And uh, why did I need 38 special? Why on earth would I need 38 special? Oh, I don't know. What <laughs> my, happened? My, my, uh, my long-awaited FUJT purchase finally came in. And uh, I've got my my 686. Picked that up from Alvin at the, at the breakfast shoot. It's kind of nice, uh, you know, when you can do the exchange at the gun club, <laughs> then you can actually give it a give it a try. So that was handy. Um, loved it so far. Amanda gave it a try. I think she really liked it too. I did. Yeah. What were uh, your first impressions? Uh, I really enjoyed it. At first, though, I thought I was doing something wrong because I was pulling the uh, double action trigger and I felt like the pull was so hard. And I'll say this is where uh, Mike had spoiled us because he had already changed all of his triggers and this um, changed the springs and things like that. So everything was fine too. So I was like, what's going on here? It took me a while to figure it out. But once uh, I did the single action, it was, it was great. I really enjoyed it. So I just said, you know, some fine tuning. I I really enjoyed it. Um, I know what it can be. And so I'm not disheartened by it. But it was a, a strange feeling to feel like, why can't I pull it back with my thumb <laughs> or, or with my finger? It was a little a little intense. So mm -hmm. I, I have small hands. <laughs> dry, dry fire. Build up the muscles. Yes. There you go. He was like 1980s, like grip strength things. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so since then, I've been uh, researching what I need, and I've been just kind of goofing around with my 3D printer and making a few parts. Um, Semi-successfully, I made some speed loaders that kind of work, <laughs> so they're not too bad. Tried them out on Thursday night when we had a, a pistol night, and they, they, they work not as fast, of course, as a real speed loader, but, uh, you know, they do the job. Um I, uh, I was kind of asking around on recommendations for uh, for a holster, and I was actually talking to uh, to Riley from your club, Jay, and he oh, ordered the, the Speed Bees holster. So okay. I, I uh, just I, I ordered one of those out of the states, and I'm just kind of waiting for it. It's cleared cleared customs in Canada, but I haven't seen. I've kind of lost track of the tracking since then. Hopefully, it comes in the next week or so. But I don't think that would get held up, would it? It should make no. it. Or he ordered this. Just plastic. I can't see a holster. Yeah, because I mean, we bought Amanda's from Red Hill Tactical last year, and it made it through fine. So, and I, I made a order through Simply Rugged maybe two years back now. Yeah, and uh, it's for, a, for three different holsters and belts and pouches and whatnot, and it all came no problems. So yeah, I, yeah. So I think just got just got some more waiting, hopefully, and that's it. Yeah. Um, speed loaders are a little more expensive than I thought they'd be, but I guess you know it's kind of like a magazine for a pistol, right? So, um, what were so they? Because I'm actually, I haven't started looking, but I do need to get two for my 357. It kind of depends on what you're looking for. Like the spring-loaded ones are a little bit more like the comp, the Safari Land Comp Two, I think it is. They that, that looks pretty cool. It's got a nice big handle on it mm -hmm. and spring spring action, right? Shoots them right in there. Mm -hmm. um, those are like forty bucks ish, forty fifty bucks in there somewhere mm -hmm. if you can find them. But I've been having trouble trouble finding them even in stock anywhere. That's yeah. that's the next struggle, right? Um, but just the normal turn style. 
Is it like H- HRK? HRK make the turn ones? H- I think it's HKS. HKS. There we go. Um, those are like 25 to 30, I think, from what I was seeing. But again, those aren't really in stock either. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to find. Like nothing local to me had anything in the store. Like when we went to Bullseye and went to Go Bulls, nothing like that there. Um, well, I was really surprised that you even wanted to do speed loaders, considering you wanted like we really liked the. Uh, well, I can't because you have to have your 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 you have to be milled out for the moon clips. That's right. <laughs> Otherwise, I would. Well, I was just I I guess for me it was just like ah well. But then you could always I thought do, you would have waited to do that. You can always do a J style with the tooth loads. There you, you go. Know, yeah. Too. Yeah. Good to go. It's fast. There you go. Exactly. Um, so I put I put a picture of what else I got there in the show notes. I got a hoe grip. I got the big butt. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I was Mike had mex- messaged me because he knew I was looking for one, and and I guess he had won one at a competition, and he wasn't going to use it because he doesn't have a gun in that frame size. So he sold it to me. So oh. I came in the other day and threw it on there. I, I think it's great. It feels great. So thank you, Mike. Shout out to Mike. Yeah, Yay, Mike. But uh, that's a that's about it for me. That was about it for you. Yeah. I don't remember how I did at that um, breakfast shoot though. I think I didn't place that time, but I was pretty darn close. I don't know. Didn't you get second place? Oh, in scope maybe late? maybe it was scope. Maybe I don't know. Because you were you were open sight. I want to go to one of these. Pardon? I want to go to one of these breakfast shoots. They sound fun. Absolutely, you should. Yeah. So let me know. Definitely. As I'll try and come down. Yeah, um, yeah, I'll have to come on down. It, it's fun. It's a good group. Um, the breakfast is always good. It, they're always a hoot. He's just so. getting, getting tired of hearing me say that I won. So yeah, there you go. So he's, yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't even need to share. I just want to come down and eat. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I'll be happy with that. There you go. Well, um, we also did another five stand. Um, I'm just trying to think. So we didn't have any more issues with. Uh, the trigger reset now that I knew what I was doing. So I was able to get through without any um, second shot issues. So I knew that definitely was the problem. Um, Josh also gave the Satori another try. And I thought you shot better. Uh, I think it was like two clays better. Two clays <laughs> I think better. it's pretty much the same. But I honestly think. Equally it, crappy with each. It had to do with the being able to modify the chokes is what my thought process yeah. was. So It has a vastly different feel. Yeah. It really does. Like it's it's kind of like a little sports car compared to like an SUV, right? It's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, not that, not that that's a, I'm not saying it in a bad way, but it's just a very different feel. Like it's, it's a much uh, more compact feeling with the, with the Beretta than the, yes. than the Browning. It's much taller, maybe like a taller action and just, it has a raised vent rib. Like it just feels different, right? That's yes. exactly it. Like the Browning's action is, is a lot deeper and yeah. compared to the Beretta's, the Beretta's a lot, is, is a little shallower. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's exactly it. But it, it, it uh, to that point, though, from what I understand, I could be just speaking up the side of my my butt here, but I know I think female shooters really like it because it's a bit higher. Like it, it kind of I don't know, just kind of comes up to the eye a bit, a bit better. Um, I always like the brownies. I still shoot. I mean, I shoot brownies for the most part, but I always like the brownies. Yeah. They're, those are my two favorite shotguns: the oh. and the uh, 686. I think I don't know. I kind of love them both equally, but uh, my dad has a brownie. I have the 686. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was my point. I don't have anything bad to say about either of them, really. It's just a vastly different feel. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? It is different for me, and I wish I could love the Beretta a bit more. But right now, I for some reason, I do like the uh, Browning. I will say it is 
just trying to get the action open and kind of getting that maneuvering a lot more so finessed. Whack, is, whacking yourself in the face with a, with a shell. Yeah, I've done that a few times because I'm trying to not break it off too fast because when I do, it, it catches me off guard every single time. It's like I forget. So can I? is it possible to take the spring out of the ejector and just have an extractor or... Is that not a, are you not possible? I think you can, or uh, there might be a, like an aftermarket part to be able to do that with. Mm -hmm. um, I think you can. I would lean more to just work with the gun and just get, like even get used to putting your hand up in front yeah. of it. Yeah. As you, if you, when you're opening up, you tuck the buttstock under your, your strong side arm. Uh, and as you open it, have your, your strong side hand, like your firing hand, just kind of up and cup over the, mm -hmm. kind of yeah. catch it throw them out anyway takes practice yes it does it's practice because in hunting if when you go hunting with that gun you're gonna want your ejectors that's for mm -hmm. sure it, fair enough yeah well yeah so it's just a little bit of um finessing with it but i am happy with the way it's performing and it's just a matter of getting out more and getting the practice and you and don't find that it's too heavy it's, it's not too heavy it's just i notice i gotta build up my resilience a little bit because i have no upper arm strength really like i have the body shape and the height to handle a large gun and a 12 gauge but i will say i don't have the same upper arm strength as most men do and so i find like carrying it around quite often i'm i'm putting it on my shoulder when i'm carrying it mm -hmm. and i am resting it whenever i can because uh, I want to be able to not feel shaky and um, like I'm losing control when when I'm shooting. So usually in the moment I'm fine, but the moment I can, I set it down. So I think that's part of course for anyone like getting into the clay sports because those you know you, you shoot a match or more than a match, right? Which is typically mm -hmm. that's a lot of shooting. That's a lot of water, especially mm -hmm. in plays. Mm -hmm. Spot like that's that's a lot. So yes. Mm -hmm. And I, I, if I recall, that was the day that I was like hitting like, I think the first two rounds I hit like perfect score, and then I I noticed I was not uh, doing the le proper lead. I was trying to aim rather than lead, mm -hmm. so um, that was definitely a problem again. So I'm just trying. I'm overthinking it when I'm in the moment. There, I'm, like when I'm getting started, I'm getting for a good feel. I'm great, but then there's a couple of them because of the difficulty. I think of the shot. I'm I'm trying to watch everyone else and trying to aim because I'm trying I'm trying to calculate all of that, and you can't do that. You have to kind of just go with your own shot because not all of them are predictable. So, and I, I think I'm kind of the opposite. It's like like when I'm shooting like IDPA or something. It's like uh, shooter ready beep, and my mind just goes blank. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Yeah, that's right. That's not a bad thing. That's yeah. That's yeah. Well, other other than that and the, the match that we're going to talk about, I haven't really done anything gun-related. I've done a lot of club-related stuff. So a lot of push and prep for our upcoming chili day. We'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. I'm also fully in charge of the newsletter. I'm already past my due date for the newsletter and uh, club meetings. And it's all keeping me very busy, the, the politics of the club. So... Uh, unfortunately, we had um, a couple club members who have damaged our club um, by not following the rules. And uh, we also had to dismiss another club member due to blatant uh, he beat me disregard, <laughs> disregard of the safety 
protocols. Uh, and I'm not even going to get into it because all of them were just ridiculous. And the thing is, it's just, you're not above the rules and the law. Mm-hmm. So if you think you are, um, you might as well just step down because like we caught it almost immediately. It was a brand new shooter, uh, a new club member actually. So they had just put in their application two weeks ago. They'd just been through the safety course and they were caught on camera just doing some of the most basic safety. So I think you can do everything on your end, right? Like we have the club level. So we have the orientations for non-restricted and we have the club level safety yeah. for the restricted. But I mean, ultimately you have to trust somebody to do the right thing. And well, exactly. But, that. and that's why we have cameras and that's but, why we have everything else. Right? It gave a very valid point as to why we have cameras. Yeah. And uh, it really just puts those one-off situations are the ones that are giving our community a bad name. So yeah. just check yourself. Seriously. Um, I'm done with it. Like be safe. And if the club has rules, there's a reason for the rules. You may not like it, but if you have, if you want to make changes, then be a part of the group that makes those changes. Don't just break it just cause. So I don't know. I'm curious. My dog's knocking my Pepsi. I'm curious. um, Well, I was going to ask a question. Like what age generation are we in here with this particular? I wasn't given a specific one, but it sounds like they were in their early 20s. Okay. I'm thinking. Um, I, I'm not 100% sure, but for what I understand, it was a younger person. So, which I was very surprised at, too. But um, I don't know. I, I'd say you I'm, beg to differ? No, I would say I'd be more likely to see someone in their early 20s doing something stupid than someone yeah. my age, right? Yeah, I guess so. But I don't know. It was it almost seemed like it was more for showing off. Isn't that what you were getting at Jay? Or why do you ask? I was kind of curious. Like, what I find is like the younger shooters are typically really, really good. And what I find where we struggle is like kind of the 26 to 32 maybe age group where they're on their own, they're working, maybe they start their own business or something like that or whatever the case would be. And it's just, you know. Okay. So the, so you think the young ones are really trying hard. Yeah. Like because they, they're new and they're, they want to impress. Maybe that's what I found. And then it's kind of that, the out of the house now you're established you you know you you now right. have adult money <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. so i'm an adult don't tell me what to do yeah it's kind yeah. of yeah so or more show offy show offy show offy yeah that's kind of the bracket that i found that we've had to kind of look at things so, yeah. in a little <laughs> yeah but, fair enough so i was just curious that's why I asked. that's specifically why yeah. I yeah i didn't i didn't get much detail about it all i knew is that it was handled very appropriately and very quickly Good. and i'm glad i'm very grateful for that but that's part of the reason why we're upgrading our cameras is so that we can have more data collected and be able to have clearer images of what's going on because yeah. it's just it's been ongoing with the damage but this is the first that we've seen blatant safety regulation. Yeah. Um, so that was the first. So I guess that, you know, it's going to happen. But, you know, I don't want to have to be put in situations like that. But it does happen. It's not like us old guys on Thursday night. We had a little revolver show and shine. <laughs> so there you go. That's, how we're, that's what we're excited. It's like what you guys go to a car yeah. show, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just so I'm, not, I'm, I'm in the revolver group now. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. 
All right. Well, if that was about it for everybody, how about we go on to our main topic, hosting and attending your first ORPS match. So uh, lucky for Jay, he was uh, hosting the ORPS for the first time at the Huronia Gun Club. And like I said, Josh and I were able to attend. Josh had done an ORPS. I did one in Clinton. No, it was it was very similar, actually. It was I want to say it was the same course of fire. It was just they modified it to suit their range. They didn't. They had uh, stationary steel already, and they just used those gongs yeah. that they already had. They didn't have the gong Joe kit, yeah. and they didn't follow ex- the exact uh, yardages. It wasn't an official. Like I think. Well, we'll get into it, but I think you tried to make it official-ish <laughs> as, yeah. as possible. Um, they were just kind of suiting it to their range, right? So it was more of a fun thing. Yeah. Um, so that was my first first time dipping my toe into it, and that's kind of when I got. You know, first looking at bags and saw this guy and kind of looking at the other stuff, um, uh, but just never actually was. I, I think because I didn't do very well at all, I wasn't as excited. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a little bit more fun this time because Amanda was there and you and it was just a better experience. So now I think I'm a little more excited about it. Okay. Yeah. So, Jay, uh, before hosting, how many ORPS matches have you done officially? Zero. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a great way to jump into it. <laughs> no. All right. Yeah. Uh, so what terrible. got you wanting to, um, so without any experience, what got you wanting to do it and then go push right forward and go to hosting one? Well, two things. Like uh, one, seeing the sport, it's become pretty popular pretty quickly. And there's a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, media out there surrounding it on whether it be social media, internet, whatever the case may be. So you can find a lot of information on it, which is, which I think is great. I think it's really important for for shooting sports. And, um, and two, at our one of our, um, not, I want to say recent, but one of our executive meetings in months past, we were talking about potentially doing more with rifles. So we are a handgun club. Not that you can't shoot a rifle there or rimfire rifles, whatever the case would be, but we are a handgun club. But given the most recent uh, legislations or regulations that that we're we're facing, uh, we wanted to kind of open things up a bit more for rifle and uh, um, or start shooting these sports. So I suggested this. I suggested or or PS based on what I n- knew of it, and uh, they liked the idea of it. So they basically said, "Yeah, go ahead. You figure it out, and and get it going." So um, a couple of times goes at our club too. It's like if you want to do something, yeah, you go ahead. You figure yeah. it out. Go ahead and do it. <laughs> get it going. So I kind of I don't know. I, I guess some could say that I put the cart before the horse, but I think it was important <laughs> just to get it get it going as opposed to taking months and months and months to figure out. So I think that it first floated like the end of December, early January. Um, and then we ran the match in February. Um, I started with getting approval to buy the targets. So the club bought the Gongjo kit and Jonathan at Gongjo was absolutely amazing to deal with. Um, he was phenomenal. I, I can't say enough good about him. Um, I kind of, ex- you know, called him up and explained what the deal was and, um, uh, he helped out. He also donated some, uh, plates, uh, for, uh, as like prizes, uh, for our matches. So he was, he was very, very supportive. Um, so awesome. big, yeah, big hat tip to him. Uh, so we bought the target set, uh, downloaded the rules, read everything through, um, got, uh, kind of figured out how to, my, our biggest concern, like from a safety standpoint was, uh, one, how to run the match, given that our layout is very different. It seems that most clubs who run it, they share a common firing line and have all the stages set up simultaneously. And it looks like squads or shooters can shoot 
the stages simultaneously. We, we can't do that at our club because um, our rifle range is very narrow, and then the rest, it leads into then our action range, so it's basically like an L-shaped range. Um, so we can't, we can't do that. We have to kind of run one stage at a time. So that was a bit of a challenge, and then the only other big challenge was to kind of sort out shrouding the targets uh, because they're placed at various ranges, and then trying to ensure our one executive member was just really wanted to try and ensure as best as possible could that we didn't have ground strikes. And that was his only concern from watching media about it, it was the potential for ground strikes. Not that I guess it's a terrible thing, but it was just something he wanted. So I was able to achieve that, though. I don't think we had a single ground strike that, that entire time. It worked out well, and it just had to do with a lot of... What do you, what do, you do to uh, potentially eliminate or or reduce the risk for a ground strike? What kind of things would you think about to... I just adjusted the height of the target um, okay. relative to the backstop. So All right. one particular stage called for a target to be at, one target was at 25 yards, one target's at 75 yards, and one target's supposed to be at 100 yards. So the target at 25 yards was a big one of concern um, and because it's it's so much far forward from the backstop. So, right. I, so, it's, so it's beyond the target we're worried about, I guess, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah correct. gotcha. So I just positioned it such, and what I explained in the executive meeting was that my intention was to position it such that if an individual missed that target, that the projectile would be going into the attendant backstop anyway. Right. And I achieved that just by manipulating like the target's height. Right. Okay. So I didn't even realize that when I, I helped you clean up that twenty-five yeah. yard gong, and there was there was two but or four by fours underneath of it, and that's six by six. Yeah, that's what six that was. There. Yeah, yeah. Ribbed up that. It never even occurred to me why you were doing that. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the whole thing because I I promised him no ground strikes and I delivered no ground strikes. So yep, no, that, was, that was a big thing. So and other than that, just being um, sure that like from each uh, position, like firing position, that the you know the path to target and a generous area around it that they were going into that backstop, and we didn't have a single problem. Like, it worked out really really well. Um, I needed a way to kind of shroud the targets and not use up too much wood. So that was pretty easy. I just set of a typical TP or like two pieces of plywood that you typically see. I just made like a box around it uh, and it worked out, worked out fine. Um, and uh, other than that, so that's what I figured out beforehand. Uh, what I didn't do was contact ORPS or anything initially. And that, that kind of came after. Uh, so we settled on uh we initially tried to settle on like whatever the club's price was going to be for the match. And I wasn't too sure how it was organized with RPS, but when I finally reached out and got a hold of Rick from uh, like CRPS, RPS and Rimfire Nation, uh, he was like super helpful uh, and extremely supportive. Uh, so for anyone interested in doing this, I would say start there as opposed to the other way around. <laughs> um, start, like, like I said, I put the cart before the horse, but the, in talking to him too, he says, you know, it's not a bad thing because sometimes the biggest thing is just to get a date set and get the ball rolling, whatever it is, it is, but then figure it out after. So, and it well, worked out. It kind of makes you get it all done too, right? Because you're like, okay, well, now there's a match. I got to, I got to finish off. <laughs> that was kind of it. That was yeah. really it. So they're very helpful. It was extremely helpful. They handle um, setting up the practice score registration. Um, so they get the ball rolling that way for you, and they uh, they kind of uh, put their fee in there with whatever your club fee is going to be. Uh, and what's really cool is they 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 administer the scores afterwards to you know because it's nationally it's you know canada wide and they um 
we'll mail you uh, targets and like a promotional pack. Um, so like banners and whatnot. I'm, I'm waiting. They're being printed. So I'm waiting for our banners and, and whatnot to come for the next one. But uh, uh, they're very supportive. They're, uh, he's, he's so helpful. Um, and, and I wouldn't, I would encourage every club to try if you can accommodate this sport. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it, is, it is absolutely a ton of fun. Uh, everyone seemed to catch on to it pretty easily. Um, uh, the biggest learning curve for me was basically learning how to use practice score. And um, the only other issue I ran into was, and we've now solved it at our like last our, our executive meeting this past Thursday was. I did it within the normal club times. Like we have a, a club rule about when you can start shooting and when you have to end. And it's try, like, we try to be pretty generous so that um, we're not bothering the neighbors kind of thing. Um, so we tried to stay within those times for that match, but that was a lot of, that was a lot of shooting to get done in a very short period of time. Yeah. We're pushing it to dark there. <laughs> yeah. It was, you know, that was quite a bit. So we, based on our last meeting, we talked about that and they said, yeah, like, and especially because it's 22 only. So we opened that right up. So the next one is starting much earlier and we should be able to accommodate. We'll probably still go late, hopefully not quite as late as we can, but, but late enough, but at least there won't be such a crunch, like a time crunch. Right. Um, and also to offer like one zeroing period in the morning for folks that might need it. I think that might, that might help. Oh, sorry. My dog's saying hi. He's, <laughs> Just like, yeah. Oh, here's your. Yeah, but he's like wondering, where's Amanda? Yeah. Come visit. But yeah. So that was um that was uh that was basically the day. It was a lot of fun. They were really supportive. I really enjoyed it. Um and uh, yeah, I can't wait to do the next one. We got our the next two dates set. So I'm just waiting for the registration links to to go live, and then that'll be that. Um, Very good. So how was uh like a. I, obviously the executive was pretty excited about the, the, they gave good positive feedback, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, what, what other kind of feedback did you get uh, amongst different shooters and uh, anybody else who had a say in it, like how you they feel you handled it? So uh, there's some really good feedback. So feedback from, well, from new people who really enjoyed it. Like they, they kind of, we had a lot of people just fall in love with the sport. We now have, of the people who are there, there's a bunch of people now like buying new equipment and just like mm. totally getting for this thing. So it's kind of interesting. Mm. Um, and then what was so cool was we had a couple of shooters. We had three shooters that that were not from our club, um, and they reached out and made contact because I initially set it up for club members and member guests only, mm. just so that because we were experimenting. I didn't know how it was going to be. I didn't want it to be like a for sure. A dismal failure for everybody. Get a bunch <laughs> of ringers in there and be like, what the heck are you doing, Jay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so they reached out and I, and I explained that to them. Like, this is our first, you know, crack at it and that no one, like none of our members ever shot it before. So we were just kind of getting started. They were very understanding, but they really wanted to come. And uh, so, yeah, I was like, by all means, like I wasn't, I just put that there for that purpose. It's not that I didn't want mm -hmm. other people to come and um so yeah by all means register but anyway so they they came and they're all very very helpful um uh, it, mike is a fellow by the name of michael in particular who's extremely helpful and each one of them uh sent me an email afterwards with feedback and suggestions and ideas on how to do things and um and uh, and to hope and to and to hopefully just kind of keep it going at our at our club they were they were really 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 helpful the biggest suggestion i typically heard was um um one we're probably at our max for people like that 22 two squads at 10 is 
I don't think we get accommodate anymore than that. And then two is if possible, well, especially if you're going to add in a site in time like that. Yeah. Right yeah. Right and that's what they suggested was two if possible, like an earlier start time with a zero uh, period. So I was able to, for the next one, just kind of working it on paper, um, able to kind of offer the one zero period. I think if I offered two zero periods before each uh, squad, we'd be right into the same position yeah. we were right then. So in the instructions for the next ones, uh, basically it's like, if you need to zero, go into squad one. If you don't need to zero, just go into squad two. And hopefully that, you know, um, I don't know if it was a, I don't know if it was a cop out or not, but like, that was like the number one thing I heard. Oh, I wasn't zeroed for that. Or, Oh, my zero was off or oh, is it, like everybody's blaming the scope. And I was like, oh, maybe you just missed. Maybe I, you're yeah. overthinking it. Maybe well, <laughs> you mentioned that too. So I since did some testing since that match. Cause the only other issue I think we had was like with not so much with spotting or the spotters or whatnot, but I think for some folks that kind of had to jump in who never shot the sport before, they kind of had to jump in and be a spotter here and there. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily clear. And this is their first experience doing it and whatnot, but what constitute a hit or not. And I'm thinking like some people, actually, this is something I need to kind of take up and ask Rick uh, from CRPS or RPS um, was that in testing the plates now, since then, they only make that sound if the plate is struck. And it could be anywhere on the plate that it struck, like even like the, um, I should just go get one, but it, it's like a round plate with like a, a stem and then like a square area with a hole in it to go on the hook. Well, if you hit even like the square area with the hole in it, it'll still make the, the ting sound of the plate. But if yeah. you hit anything else, like the, the hook or the wood or whatever, it doesn't make a sound at all. So there's definitely hits there that weren't being. And, and that's what I think. Like I, I a couple yeah. of times, I swear I heard a ting, and precisely impact. Where's my impact? Yeah, <laughs> it was like exactly. oh, must have been high on the stem, stem. right? Which should but I think it? I don't in, know. But should in, it? I don't think it should because you but, didn't hit your high then, right? But the thing like, is, you, you hit the plate. You hit the. But plate. you didn't. You hit the stem. But you hit the plate. <laughs> the stem is the plate. No, the, not in my opinion. <laughs> so that's the thing though is like i think but no end, i think that's a valid argument though like if you're hitting like if you're bullseye shooting i know we're not bullseye shooting but if you were i mean you can't hit straight in a vertical line all the way up the target you have to no, hit in that circle you're right you can't yeah. but i think then 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 it kind of defeats the purpose of like the build like the equipment the way it's built it's clearly yeah. built like you can kind of tell when you put it all together and, and like test it out it doesn't make that sound unless that plate is struck Right. somewhere not the like the metal of the plate sure. anywhere else it, it's actually very silent so right. i think at the end of the day i'll take it up with rick and see what constitutes if that would constitute a hit but at the end of the day like if by definition it's hitting the plate that's one piece that you're hitting like the plate is all one piece sure. and when you hit it it makes that sound so technically that would be I still i still disagree but it's your it's your match that's fine yeah no fair enough but the other thing too is like <laughs> like if you look at the you know like the know your limits target you have one yeah. inch a quarter inch well the quarter inch quote-unquote plate it's, it's all, all stem <laughs> it's all stem technically yeah. you could hit that at the top and swing it that yeah. would be it so True. i think like i think at the end of the day like because in your you're kind of trying to leave it up to the spotter who's trying to do things everything but you can't always see that right yeah. uh, and looking at other matches now more closely online like on youtube and whatnot it looks like they're calling those as hits Okay, uh, and then so and by the by what it looks like so that's one thing i'm going to follow up with rick with is to see if that uh with that particular kit if hitting the stem which is part of the plate like that's all one piece of the plate i should go get a plate it's promise is they're in my trunk of my car all right um all right. Don't worry. but just so people can see it we'll put in a picture after yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, they can just Google the Jong the Gong Joe kit, right? Gong Joe kit, and you'll see exactly what I mean by the round yeah. quake. Um, the only other thing I was hearing, I don't, I don't know, I, it didn't bother me, but I could see how it would bother people. Um, you know, the first shooter had a nice orange gong. Last yeah. shooter had silver, <laughs> silver yeah. steel, right? Mm -hmm. is, so my solution to that is, and looking at, again, other videos of how they won, is, I was kind of curious about that because it was actually a club president asked about that. Should we be painting them through each one? And I think my solution to it and, and seeing other matches online and shy of going to another one, uh, like one somewhere else, it doesn't appear they paint them at all. That they okay. just they're, they're they're at least that would be an even playing field, right? Yeah. So I've started to not paint them. Uh, so mm -hmm. we and we've shot them up now where they're essentially all just silver, and then yeah. that's going to be that. Mm -hmm. So that is that even play because the other thing too with the time crunch, one thing that speeds us along is that as soon as one shooter's done, the next shooter's on deck and they're switching. You're not going to mm -hmm. time run down there and spray them every time. So um, mm -hmm. and like you said. And that was something else I applaud you for. Maybe you want to talk about that, like how you had it set up. Like you switched the stages in no time. Like oh, yeah. Because so you had like a grid drawn on the top of your, right? Yeah. yeah. That I came up with myself. That was part of the reason why I made like the, the shroud the way it was, was that I figured, okay, I can only run one stage at a time. I don't want to have to run around and figure out what plate I need for what stage or whatnot. So on the top of the shroud, I basically made a grid and it just says stage two, three, four, or five, whatever. And so when I'm setting up at the beginning, I put all the plates on top of each target post, what I would need for each stage. So then between stages, I can just run down, take one, the, you know, the use plate off, put the next plate for the next stage on and, and get it done lickety split so that it was a, a faster transition or as quick as I possibly Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Because yeah, we're like, oh, do you need help? And he's like, oh, no, I got it. And you're back like in no time. Yeah. yeah. It keeps it really simple. So that's my own little, you know, system there to get, yeah. get it done. <laughs> Um, and that was that. That was that's, that was promotional feedback. They had a lot of fun. I think the the fellas from the city they said that they really had a blast. Like it was uh, that they did enjoy themselves. So I was happy to hear that. Um, and yeah, so I, I do look forward to our next one. It should be it should be really good. Hopefully, it's a. I think it was smooth for what it was. But if if I can make it even smoother, it would be good. Um, what about uh, the briefings beforehand? Um, was that something that was supplied to you by ORPS, or did you make that up yourself, or how did you go about they that? They do supply you with a safety briefing, and it's pretty generic. So you, I had to kind of modify it a little bit to fit our club. Um, but, yeah, they supply you with just about everything you need. That's what's so cool about it. Um, so the for you to run one yourself, is is uh, it wouldn't be that difficult. Yeah give everything that you need that's awesome no i thought you did a really great job everybody seemed to have a, a good time i think biggest the biggest complaint was i i and we'll get kind of get into this about what you should do as a shooter being an orps mm -hmm. but a couple of the gentlemen printed out the stages the night mm -hmm. before which is smart. I Which wish was I done super that. smart yeah. uh, because they knew what was coming up. And when Josh, <laughs> I learned from watching the first relay, I said, okay, so I need to set my, I dialed in right away uh, what I was doing before the next stage. And I had mm -hmm. it ready to go before I left. Whereas I felt yeah. like people were scrambling like, oh, it's all messed up. No, it's not messed up. I just don't think you have it marked and ready to go for what you're supposed to be doing in that one stage it was really hard to just pick one because there were three different um yeah. sightings so yeah i kind of had to go with one and 
you know, pray that you did okay on the rest of it. Right. So, and the time limit was also something different. I wasn't expecting that, but we'll get a little bit more into it. But that, that was my thing is that I heard that a lot more, but I think it was just the, maybe it would have been good to have, um, the safety or not the safety, but yeah, maybe the safety briefing as well as the, um, the stage layout, maybe in your um, safe table area, because then that would have been everybody could have reviewed that while they were waiting. Something they so. could look at, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. It, it definitely pays to uh, to have to have access to uh, to that. I'll, I'll see if I can't print one off and have one sit there just in case people need to look at it. I did yeah. try and put it in. Well, I couldn't include it on the practice score, but I included the link to it in the Facebook post that. Yeah. Uh, Kind of first advertised it. Um, yeah. I know. I know some people had seen it, but I don't know yeah. if they physically kind of bought it with them. But I yeah. went in blind. <laughs> Josh went in blind. Well, it's funny too because we were because we were late and we missed the briefing. And yeah. I just oh, kind of jumped right. into yeah. it. And then the first stage, there wasn't enough room to watch. So I was like, "Oh, I don't know what's going on." And I don't. <laughs> so I was like, I "Can't even see Go what people are doing." Right? Completely blind. Yeah. So that yeah. that was a lot of fun. But uh, you did good. We're yeah, no, I, I think everyone did great. So it was the bag. I mean, it, it was totally know. the bag. It was the bag. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> well, you know what? We'll go into the second part of the topic, and we're going to talk about um, attending your first match since Josh, Jay, and I <laughs> kind of are, <laughs> Jay double whammy there. So we're going to talk a little bit about as a shooter, uh, how to be prepared, what went well, what didn't, and we'll go from there. So how about we start with gear? Jay, what did you bring to to shoot? He bought everything for his gun before he even shot a match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went shopping. I did uh, I, again. I put the cart before the horse. Yeah, <laughs> worked out well. Uh, no, so I prepared for it. I listened to some other podcasts and and consumed a lot of YouTube video video and whatnot on on the sport. Uh, there's some really good resources out there. So I had a pretty good picture of what I needed or what I, what to expect. Um, I bought a a Savage Mark II FV, put a Vortex Venom on it with MDT uh, bases and MDT uh, rings. Um, I'm using a Codwell bipod for now until the MDT rail, Arca rail and ground pod bipod come. <laughs> Go an Arca rail, nice. <laughs> yeah, no, I put an Arca rail on it. I really want to put one on it and use, I, I want to make it like a Canadian build. So everything on it other than the scope is Canadian made, which I think is really, I don't know, I like that. Um, and I just I want to, my goal is to stay in production. I don't have. Is any there other. is there a Canadian scope of it? Is is that a thing? Is there anybody any Canadian company that makes a scope? I think the Canadian companies. I like. I want to say Apex. It might be Canadian. I, I, I okay. if someone knows. Put it in the comments. I guess. Um, yeah. But I don't think they're made here. Like I think they're okay. Canadian, but I think they're imported. Yeah, it's closer than than a Vortex. Closer. Than, <laughs> but the other thing with the Vortex was that what I like is their their presence in Canadian shooting sports. It's pretty it's good. True. So yeah, they have good presence. Great supporter. Yeah, I think the guarantee that their warranty is hard to beat. Um, it is. So that's why I selected that scope, and it, it. I think it's the best I could find to stay in production. So that was my goal. I wanted right. to do uh, as good as I could uh, to stay in production. Then so let, let's let's say what that is again. That's strictly a dollar figure, or what? What is production versus open? So this is I and I kind of. Um, so I have my opinions on this, but anyway, it's both. It's a dollar figure, and then it's like a a listed by name thing. So they have the, the simple way to put it is rifles that are five hundred dollars USD 
MSRP and below are the US. Okay, I didn't realize that. And scopes that are $700 USD MSRP and below are production. However, there are some exceptions, and I kind of raise an eyebrow at some of the exceptions. Um, but anyway, one exception, for instance, for the rifle is like in production, I think the, the CZ uh, 457 Pro Varmint, that's uh, been accepted as a production rifle. Uh, but finding them here in Canada, they're like eleven or twelve hundred bucks. Really, uh, either it's a really expensive and it's a very capable gun. Uh, yeah. So I kind of raise an eyebrow at that one. Oddly enough, for instance, my Browning T bolt. This is actually one thing that's kept me out of the sport up until now. Was when I first heard of it, I intended to shoot my T bolt until I found out that, that it was an open class gun because there's no T bolts are are considered to be production, uh, and because. The MSRP is more than the 500 US dollars, but so is the okay. CZ Pro Varmint. It's, right. MSRP, it's definitely more than 500 US dollars. They made the exception for the CZ Pro Varmint. However, my Browning T-Bolt, which has a lower MSRP than the CZ Pro Varmint and mm -hmm. has a lower Canadian retail price by a right. substantial margin, like you can get that T-Bolt for what, 700 bucks, um, is an open class gun. Yet that's mm -hmm. just a, a conventional Woodstock hunting gun. We so, got to get Rick on here for comment. This is oh yeah, no, so I raise an eyebrow at this, Rick. I friendlyly raise an eyebrow. I think I, I, I shenanigans or oh no, what's that? Uh, there's a funny oh, yeah. anyway, but I don't care. It's just for fun. Um, uh, so, but it is. I will say this because I, I, there was a time I couldn't afford, um, you know, another another twenty two. So uh, it kind of kept me out of it because I didn't want to shoot open compared to what I saw being oh. shot. So, yeah and, and that's what i that's what's so cool about this too it's like you can run the gamut like like amanda and i showed up with very entry-level low-end setups and i mean we weren't last you know we did okay yeah. and and if you're a good shooter you're a good shooter and if your stuff as long as it's reliable and you know your gun you can do pretty well with what you have to at least I get into it right you don't, don't let that stop you yeah those are the two keys and i kind of did i kind of let that stop it was kind of intimidating because you see the open side and it it yeah. seems quite the gear race like that is really oof, they right, go. right and i'm thinking well here i'm gonna have a brownie t-bolt mm -hmm. loophole like hunting scope and what am i gonna do with that um but i should i should have just jumped into it but nonetheless i i, I, I that's the the equipment route I, I took for this now that i'm getting into it um and i started practicing now i bought for bags i in reading and listening to all these podcasts and whatnot i ended up buying the codwell um uh tat driver x and both the that's the one, the, the standard size and the mini, and I, uh, as well as a prop bag, the, the TAT Driver X prop bag. And in training or practicing with them off of various um, props, uh, I just couldn't, I felt like I was always fighting the bag. Like I couldn't quite get the stability or the balance I was hoping for. Um, and and I just, I just struggled. Um, and it had all these features. The reason I bought it, it had all these features that I really wanted. Like I thought, you know, you hear about bags being sticky and you know what that material and that, the, the TAT driver has that. And then you also hear about like, you know, the udder bags where you can put them on a post. The yeah. TAT driver has like the X, like the little appendages on that side. So you kind of think, well, maybe it'll, maybe it'll work. It'll grab it. It'll do this. It'll do that. And, but I just. It's too stiff. It's very stiff. It's very stiff. Yeah. full, which you could probably bleed out some of the fill. Um, I found it. I found it good for prone. I think it was just as good as a like. Maybe it could have been a touch higher for me, but it wasn't terrible. No, yeah, it, it worked well there. And and really, the only other place it was good was the tank trap, like yeah. right in the middle. But then it was crap for the uh, for the tips. The tip. <laughs> that was yeah. the only thing I found about it was it's it's a very tall cube like bag. Yeah, and I was trying it off the tips. It was even with taking the fill out. 
I feel like it was like the center of gravity was so high, especially then with the rifle on top of it. I felt like I was really fighting the bag. And, and oddly enough, when I just took like a, a towel and rolled it up and set it on the tip, it was like better. And then right. I was like, okay. So I got them at Cabela's and my intention was like to do like a video or like a review on them thinking like, you know, entry level, here we go. And I think they're a great bag. I think they're like, especially as a range bag, you could do a lot with. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I, I would actually take that TAT driver X to the range over a lot of other range, like cobbly range bags, like for zeroing or right. Benford mm -hmm. or whatever the case may be. I, I think for this discipline though, it, it was just tough to really wring the towel and well, get on the uh, the ladder stage, um, there's not a lot of clearance there. By the time you put a bag down on the rung of the ladder and then set your rifle down and have enough clearance for the scope, like there's not right. a lot of room there. I yeah, probably would have been happier with the mini there. Yeah, I think yeah. the mini would have been great. Well, I, I was lucky because I had the sling still on my scope, and I kind of just like slid the sling under, like the sling stayed under the 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 grip of the rifle right so i could just set it on the rung that way and it was not too terrible <laughs> but yeah. but had not had that like amanda was just on bare wood and i was kind of cringing but <laughs> that's the thing and so when i was processing all this and and kind of putting it together i was a little kind of saddened by it but and i looked at my and the other goal too sorry i should also mention the other goal too is that when i first looked at bags the the other big reason i went to is because bags are expensive like yeah start looking at like the the specific uh purpose-driven like prs bags these things like it's a lot of money you're spending on a beanbag and that's right yeah. and you don't especially <laughs> being new to it you don't really think how important it could be i added up though the total when you add up like the the, the standard size tatra rex the mini and the prop bag it was more than some of the canadian made specific like purposeful prs bags and it's like okay so here i am running with three bags and kind of not one of them is really working as well as I hoped. Um, so I ended up taking, like I said, I ended up taking them back and then I, uh, I ordered, um, and I thought I might be going to the match without a bag, but I ordered a, uh, um, a boss gear, which I think is, um, Boreal outdoor supply, uh, gear bag. And I just got their classic, um, bag and I got the grippy option to it and it worked really well. I've had a lot of like, I'm pretty happy with the size for my rifle and whatnot. I think some people might want it to be a bit bigger, but what I liked was that um, I can use it easily as a rear bag uh, for prone stuff and using a bipod to using all the props. And with the Savage, the Savage is not a big rifle. Like its stock is pretty small. And then the distance between like the bipod and the magwell and then the trigger guard, it's pretty thick. There's not a lot of distance there. So this bag fits whatever the orientation that that rifle can rest there uh, and work kind of kind of fortune cookie shaped ish kind of thing. Yeah. So it's the top is flat. Uh, and then this, the bottom is uh, yeah. Like that's a really good way to put it. Fortune cookie. It's kind of got yeah. two legs and then it's got the grippy material in between and it is pretty darn grippy. Like um, uh, it hooks up and with the, the tank trap barricade, so that 45 degree post it grabs and, and you can, you can get a, a good purchase with your rifle and, and good support and good rest. And it just has this little strap that's handy because you, you have to start with the bag in your hand uh, for each stage. So that was handy. And I'm really happy with it. It's made out of like, I think it's a thousand denier Cordura. I want to say thousand, it could be 500, but um, it's made out of a Cordura. The fella, I found out about them by another podcast where the, the owner of the company or the fellow who has this company is talking about it and some of his decisions and they're guaranteed for life from what I understand. And, uh, um, 
I was really happy with it for, for what it is. Um, I know other people, there's wax canvas you can get. There's all kinds of different options that you can get from other companies. But I kind of like the idea of this being the Cordura and it being really tough. Because I was thinking with the Savage Mark II, the magazines, they're really sharp. And t- I was thinking over time you maybe bite into it or whatever. So, mm-hmm. Or even your bipod legs maybe. Exactly. That's kind of on, on my mind. The other thing too, because I have a lot of wax canvas, like clothing, hunting gear and whatnot. And I was saying it is good. It's abrasion resistant. It's, it's good stuff. But if anything sharp gets it, like it'll cut right through it. So yeah. I was kind of thinking, whereas the Cordura might be a little bit more resistant to that sharp, like stuff, like metallic stuff. Um, that was my thought process. The fill is great. It's super light. Uh, I would say it's like a, a light to medium, not kind of medium weight fill. Whereas this thing is ridiculously heavy. That was the other thing. Yeah, it's very heavy. And when it starts to go, like off a barricade or a trap, it seems like it's going to fall or, or something. off the front of a tire. Off the front Where, of a tire. <laughs> off the bed. That's the thing. I think that bag is a really good range bag. Like it'd be yeah. a, a phenomenal range bag. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not mad yeah. that I, I own it. I'm not going to take it back. I'm going to use it. Um, but yeah, there's definitely better suited bags out there for sure. Especially so so for this today you were saying like, like people were, were they abandoning the bags that they brought to use yours or they just didn't bring a bag? They're so I think of, of wanting to try new things. Yeah, yeah. We had people there today that had like bean filled socks and uh, <laughs> other like generic bags, a lot of like standard, like the green Codwell types yeah, of yeah, yeah. bags, like range bags. But yeah. a lot of people were kind of just wanting to try this out. And, um, and I think one of them from understand, uh, Colleen, I think is buying one today. From yeah. what I, so she's getting after it with this. Um, and actually she did, she did really well. Yeah, no, really, really well. Uh, so it looks like she's ordering the same, the Savage with the Venom and, and the whole thing. Like, <laughs> everyone's been... Silly. You're such a bad influence. It's terrible. I'm a horrible influence. No one should listen yeah. to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a terrible influence. But yeah, so that it, I, that's what I found with it. It worked out good. And, and other than that, it was, it was a lot of fun. It, yeah, so really I, had a, I had a question more about, more about bags. Um, <laughs> so you're, you're getting the Arca Rail set up. So you're going to have basically on the on that Arca Rail, it's going to be a, like a rectangular shaped bag that would slide onto that rail. Or are you going to have various shapes shaped bags that'll slide onto that rail or no so my purpose really for the arc rail is just to accommodate the bipod um oh okay so you're not going to put a bag because I've, I've seen where there's a bag you can actually slide on there right yeah you can i'm not so much worried about that like is um i don't know where i i like i get i think for open it's a different thing because you can use that and a pump pillow uh okay. production you're limited to one bag Okay, because so, I was going to say, so you can't have a bag like I saw. I've seen some not at a mat, not at the match we we're at, but it's kind of the same idea as the Arca Rail, but like with a strap that'll go over your barrel, and you could yes. have a bag, a small bag, just hanging on your your rifle. Could I use that in conjunction with another bag? No, even though, no. no, one bag. I just thought maybe because I'm not, I'm only yeah. holding one loose bag. I didn't no. know. If you could, so you got to so pick that one if you're going to go with for that. Me, the, for me, the real purpose of the Arca Rail is to be able to put the bipod either f- yeah. like forward or aft. Because for instance, if you're shooting from the top of a barrel, you could you could pull the bipod inward so that both the the tail end of the buttstock and the bipod fit on top of that right. prop, and right. you can use your bag underneath the the yeah. buttstock. Yeah, because that's what I've seen. And it seems like that's maybe the best way to go is to have the bipod and a small, like a lower profile bag. You know, you got your bipod for going prone to get you up higher and then the lower profile bag to get you in the tight spots, right? Exactly. And, exactly. and I was seeing like like the tight, or what was the, the the milk crates? I was watching a YouTube video with the milk crates and there was enough room at the front of their, their four stock 
Um, they had the bipod down, so between the crates, they're using bipod, and then they just rested the front of their forestock on the crate without mm -hmm. having to to put the bipod up or anything, and just worked great, right? Like just mm -hmm. kind of having both, I think, is the way to go. So I, I definitely think I need a bipod for my for my rifle. Yeah, I think a bipod is a handy thing for sure, particularly for the prone shooting. And and like I said, I I like the idea of being able to pull the bipod in or out as opposed yeah. to being yeah. a fixed spot. Because the other thing too is, you know, when you get into the sport the bipod's great far out when you have two points of contact being the bipod and the buttstock on a bag. But as soon as you're not, as soon as you're down to one point of contact, you don't ever want that point of contact to be that far out. You want it to be near the center gravity of the rifle. Like ideally you should be able to rest your rifle on the bag, on the prop and let go of it. And it should right. just, right. Um, and that's the, that's kind of, that's kind of it. So even with the, with the rail mounted bag, like plate rail mounted plate, rail mount of bag you're not necessarily capable well i shouldn't say you're not not all rifles would be necessarily capable of sitting on that bag and you letting go and resting it yeah i think and I'd i'm say almost none <laughs> new to this but i think the where that really gets good is an open where you can use both that rail mount of bag and a pump pillow right um, right you know so it's just it's basically well, I shouldn't say, and again, as an amateur and someone who doesn't have any experience with that, from what I've seen, my interpretation of it is that plate and or pillow mount or plate mounted bag would be great for something where you can't necessarily, you want to use like a bipod like device, but you can't necessarily plant the legs somewhere. And then you have a, a pump pillow or somewhere to put the back of the, the rifle, maybe, I don't know, but that's kind of kind of my, my takeaway of it. So for, but for production, I really just want the ability to, put the bipod where i want it like maybe even bring it right in close to the trigger guard or to the mag right, right. Have it and sit on something so that's kind of the, the so reason. there's there's no uh regulations we need to worry about with bipods you can spend as much or as little as you want on a bipod any style from what i understand yes that's the case so for production um the only thing you can't do that rifle is you can't change a stock you can't change a barrel you can't change a trigger but you can use any bipod you can add an arca rail and you can use a barrel tuner from what I understand, and you can build barrel, up. What's a barrel tuner? A, a barrel tuner is a a device that you can th either thread onto the end of your barrel, like if your if your barrel's threaded, or they have clamp-on tuners. And what you do is you you essentially group test your rifle with that tuner set to different settings. And I guess what it does is affects the harmonics, like the vibration of the barrel, until you find an accuracy node. There, so you, there was a there was a gentleman who had that. He there was, was quite a few of them there. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's quite a few. Uh, of yeah, I was just thinking in my relay there was definitely a guy. I, he was uh, talking about it. I remember. Yeah. So uh, further to gear, was there any one rifle you saw dominating, or more than once, or I think this, everybody pretty much had something different, didn't they? Yeah, well, the, the common rifle, I think, well, this is interesting because when you register, you have to put in what your equipment that you're using. So be neat. I'm waiting to hear back from Rick what the stats are, like who was using what thing or what the numbers would be. But for just from what I saw, like just about the top, like the top three open guns, I think were CZs, uh, CZ 457s uh, that were modified. And, um, and there was quite a few, there was a handful of 457s in production as well. I think the best bang for your buck getting into the sport is a, is definitely, whether it's production open, but I'll focus on production, it's probably the CZ. It's just for the budget that I had, and I, I really wanted to stick with Canadian made stuff. Um, 
and I've shot savages enough. I know that they shoot. That's why I went for it. Like I could have spent the $1,200 on a CZ or $1,100 to $1,200 on a CZ pro varmint or the 350 for the savage. And I don't know that I'll shoot them all that differently. Like, yeah. is it worth that kind of big jump in money when my goal is to stay in production? Like I have no intention of coming out of production. Now, if I wanted to get out of production to open, I would outgrow that savage in a heartbeat because there's, I have nowhere to go with it. Um, whereas right. with CZ, uh, put in a chassis and quick change out the barrel with like an I, uh, IBI barrel and away you go. Um, you have a, you have a, I guess a pretty competitive open. Gun. So what are your, what are your thoughts on uh, semi-auto versus bolt? Seems like it would be a little bit heavier bolt than semi. There's a few semis out there. There's a few semis like Josh shot. Well, Josh won the first stage in open who's never shot it before. He shot, he, uh, he had the gray birch 1022. Yeah. I think it was 18 seconds. He shot uh, stage one, so it was uh, five, uh, quick scan five hits on a two-inch piece of steel, and he got it in eighteen seconds with the great. Wow. Wow. That's fast. That was that was pretty damn fast. So it's. I think they certainly have their place. I wouldn't be bent out of shape. Someone's just reliable, like just like you said before. I think reliable, and if you know the gun, what's yeah? I don't see how you can beat that. that that's. Yeah. Really, I like that. Like, I like the idea of the bolt gun. Um, I don't know. I just like the idea of it. And I, I don't think it makes a difference though. Like, the only thing that kind of drove me nuts was uh, every time you change position, you got to have safety on. And I'm just, it, it's just hard to, to remember to do that every time. Cause you're, I know you're a flag in me. So <laughs> you have the auto, right? Yeah. 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 So I guess we should clarify that. So when you change positions from one position to another for semi-autos, you have to have the safety on and say safety or safe for bolt actions. You just have to have the action open. So, um, I mean, it, it it's just another thing to, to remember to do and be used to, right? It, it, it's kind of like, well, I'm not really moving, but I am. I'm just kind of switching positions. Like, you don't really do it in any other discipline, right? No. And to be honest, a lot of the other shooting, especially done with bolt guns, like from the maple seed to, like, our practical conditions lead shoots that we would do with rifles, it, the, you know, you treat it like you were if you were hunting. So you were, when you shot, you racked the action, and you would always use the safety. So it it's a bit of a, especially for me, it was more of a change for the bolt gun side of house where to remember to leave it open. And some of our shooters would forget simply because we've done so much shooting with bolt guns in that other fashion. So, um, I mean, it's their rules. We, we I kind of said it when we first started that morning was like for our club members, we're going to do it this way because well, one, it's the rules, but two, if we go to shoot the sport anywhere else, we're going to need to do it. Yeah. Anyway. You want to be consistent, right? Got to be consistent. So that's just where we're going to do it. And, uh, and everyone like it was no big deal. That was that was the last we kind of heard of it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It worked out. It, it it was a lot of fun. That I really enjoyed that. All right. Well, Josh, what did you bring? Uh, I brought my A twenty two, my mm -hmm. Savage A twenty two semi auto. Mm -hmm. um, got a Nikon scope on it. Nothing fancy, and uh, that's it. Really, there's I had no. I didn't have a bipod, and I've got my tack driver bag. And that's really all I had because I, like I say, that's what I liked about it was, you know, sky's the limit when you get into it, but it, it was to go out and try it. You don't need anything fancy. And I, I'm comfortable enough with my rifle and I know that it's reliable. I didn't have any failures or any issues. And mm -hmm. I you know hit, it was good. You shot with really, that. I said, you hit a lot. It was really, oh, yeah. 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 I think, you know, it may be, if anything, it was just, it was really just getting used to the positions and stuff. Like if I could have just sat there and, and done my own thing, I probably would have hit it almost every time. It was just getting used to the stages. Right. Yeah. So I wasn't concerned about the gun at all, mm -hmm. but 
Yeah. Very yeah. good. Yeah, no, and it, it, it all worked. So, <laughs> but I think moving forward, like I said, I, I, I want to get a bipod. That'll yeah. be one thing to add mm -hmm. um, that I think would really help. And I want to get a cheek riser too, cheek rest. Cause I, I do know that I need, cause when I, when we shot the maple seed, um, they did the thing where they, they put the pool noodle on top and they, they get your natural point of aim down and that kind of yeah. thing. Right. And and they had to add some for me. And I, so I know that's an issue. I just never did anything mm -hmm. about it. And I maybe get something like you have on your Savage, like a little strap on uh, yeah. riser rest kind of thing. And from Amazon for like really, I think it's like $15. You can get a pack of um, uh, foam spacers. Right. They're uh, like a neoprene foam or whatever the heck they are. Yep. They're black in color and you just put your pad over top of it. And I, there you yeah. Go. Yeah. I definitely think I need that. Right. And yeah. I think let's say you guys are jumping ahead. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> well, it's about gear. You know, it is about gear, but this is uh what would you do next time? You're the one who made the notes. Oh, I wasn't reading the notes. Yeah, of course you were. <laughs> That's okay. Anyways, anybody want to ask what I brought? What'd you bring Amanda? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I brought my Savage Mark II. Um, I, for people who don't know, I have the Lakefield model. Uh, so left-handed, left-handed, bolt action. It's a nice gun. I like that. Yes, yes, it is. You know what? Has the Accu trigger on it. It's it's a, a handy little gun, and I didn't have any qualms with uh, bringing it, but. Um, I always been shooting that one open sided. So Josh had moved my uh, Bushnell scope over onto that and then um i usually plank with that gun in particular so best thing so far that i found worked were the remington golden bullets like it'll shoot anything but for crappiest ammo you can yes it, absolutely <laughs> well not the crappiest well, they're not thunder turds but no i guess close. not but uh for <laughs> this particular event i wanted to make sure that the bullet wasn't going to cause me any problems so uh Josh and I picked up the CCI AR Tactical 22LR. Um, so, like I said, the Savage is pretty reliable, but it doesn't like the wax tip. So Josh usually buys the the Blazer wax tip ones. Well, I, or, yeah, I usually get the CCI Standard Velocity. I bought Those Blazers two, in the past yeah. just because they're cheap. But, yeah, um, um, but I. But just, it's basically the same thing. Like, yeah, is, is, doesn't CCI make Blazer or the other way around? I think, yeah, it's our CCI owns Blazer, but yeah, I think yeah. that's, yeah. So, um, yeah, so Josh had taken some time to switch everything around for me, and that's basically it for year for yeah. me, and I used Josh's so, bag. So it was a bit of a disadvantage for you, because I, I sighted in your rifle for yes. you, and <laughs> well, you didn't you, get any practice so, with it with the scope on Yeah, it, so, so get, kind of getting like, into sighting in, that's what I wrote down, is that Josh is the only one who had time. So you did that so you can explain how that worked out for you. Oh, there's nothing to really explain. I just, I went to the range and I did what, what Jay said. I, except we're not allowed to shoot at 75 yards. We can only go at 25, 50 or a hundred. So I didn't have any data on 75 yards. So we just kind of left it set at the 50 yard mark. And then mm -hmm. just, I think it was probably fine. Yeah. <laughs> I had a chance to, um, well, first, actually first, my first question, what reticle do you have in your scope, man? Or what is the reticle look like? It's just a crosshair. Just a crosshair. Yeah. Now, did you get a chance to look at? Because I think we're, we were playing around with data for her rifle, were we not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, but I, I think had her work that in or factor it in at all. Or? We, you can't really with that. But I, I found that That's it was actually different because I think you had something like thirty-four clicks or something for a hundred yards, and it was only twenty-two. Yeah. So, so in reality, it didn't seem to work out. I don't know. It was weird. 
So that yeah. could come down to like, because in that app, you have to put in the the scope's height over bore, so like the right. line. And depending on how high or low that is, that will affect that factor or those right. bit. Um, so if that's off, like it's kind of like garbage in, garbage out, I guess. If that's right. off, yeah. right. that'll be a, a so So yeah, so I just, you know, we went with that. So sometime eventually we'll try that again maybe with the app or actually try somewhere where we can shoot it at 75 yards and see what happens yeah, yeah for sure i think for this for like for orps in particular you'd be good like if you have a 100 yard range shoot at the four ranges 175 50 and 25 and if you just noted the differences there you mm -hmm. that would be more than sufficient that would probably get for anyone new starting that would that would get it done for sure actually that probably might be the most accurate way to get it done. Well, and I and I didn't I didn't change anything between twenty five and fifty. I found no. that was pretty much the same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it was, and how about for Josh? For you, like for the the seventy five and hundred, what did you have to do there? Well, first? see, so th this is me. Just I don't know. This is probably the wrong thing to do. I didn't dial anything. I I have a reticle that has the bullet drop, the BDC. Oh, okay. Right, so I know that at a hundred, it's the first circle. <laughs> okay. So I, I that's just there to play with. It's yeah, I just used the holdover on it, and and. To that's be all fair, I did. we ran out of time because we threw in a family holiday. Yeah. Um, I wanted to do it right. I wanted to to do it right and to dial it, but I just yeah. I already knew where I hit at a hundred, and I know where I was already zeroed at twenty five. So mm -hmm. I just guessed. <laughs> yeah. But in so. be, in between there, I guessed, but. Yeah. So, well, so uh, how much? Right. Yeah, but how much <laughs> tweaking did you have to do there, Jay? I'm guessing you're pretty pretty good at dialing everything in. Well, the scope makes it pretty easy, but I had to do. I think for the 75, it was 0.6 MRAD, uh, and for the for the well, it's not a true hundred. We couldn't quite eke 100 yards out. So right. I think for only 100, <laughs> it was. A we should be when the snow melts we we should have it because uh, we can have a bit more of a diagonal and it won't be that big snow bank but yeah. trying to get as much as we can with all that snow um uh i think the longest shot it was like 0.9 or 1 mrad so it's pretty easy to 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 to, to adjust for that was mm. it wasn't that hard um but yeah no it was a lot of fun the, the only thing well, well, I'll wait till we get to the doing things different. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, so uh, studying the course of fire, we kind of have already mentioned this. That you it's know, a good idea. It's a we good idea. We should have done it because yeah. we definitely didn't do. <laughs> well, really, it. the only like yes, knowing what to what stage to expect next was nice. But the only place there was really a problem was a tank tank trap stage. Oh. Just remembering the order of which to shoot, and I feel silly. Like how that, many? I feel silly shoot. that I can't remember it. I mean, what monkey can't? That's remember a hard secrets of numbers, but I mean. It was hard when you're on the on when the pressure's on, the spot, on right? and, and you gotta, you're on a timer. And you don't want to screw it up. And... Yeah. Looking back through the because I I actually saved every course of fire they have on their website, and did mm. actually I have a binder full of them all. Um, yeah. And looking back through the past courses of fire from like even back into 2022, I have to say, this one the February one I think was one of the more complex ones. It was pretty. <laughs> complex. Fair enough. So I think for all of us doing this for the first time. I think everyone did pretty damn good considering this was their first time. Cause that was, yeah. yeah. And I got lucky because I was there in the morning and, and like I shot the afternoon relay, Josh got the morning <laughs> relay. So I was able to kind of watch and prepare myself for each of the stages a bit better than maybe other people could. Yeah. So, 
um, but definitely will print off that that uh, course of fire earlier on. So, all right. Well, let's let's talk about how the heck we stayed warm. <laughs> Holy cannoli! It was cold. What what did the temperature get to? Was it like minus fifteen? I think it was. I think it got yeah, it was somewhere around there. Well, I'd like to know how Jay has such tough hands because like he wasn't even wearing gloves and he's moving the tires around and he's scoring and doing everything oh else. Gosh, holy cow. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I lost feeling after a while. And then I just I bet. Yeah. I like we were in like our finger, like we were fine, but our fingers were in pain after the stage. Cause yeah. it's like, Oh man. <laughs> so I think my biggest savior was um, there's this boot. It's well, it's an overboot. It's called a Neo like overboot. And it's like, it, you like, it looks like space boots, but they're green. And uh, you put your normal boot. So I put my normal winter boot into that Neo boot. It's like a mountaineering over boot. And they are warm. Like you want to have warm feet, you get that thing. And uh, um, I think that saved my day because I was I was hot for most of the day. I was, wow, really? Oh, that's good. Uh, my hands were certainly cold, but I just – I'd either throw gloves on or put them in my pocket. But I had to work – practice work with the phone. So right. um, that was that was, uh, that was the big one. But yeah, yeah, that's how I did. <laughs> well, did you? Well, I think your your club was nice. Like they they had the propane heaters, which were awesome mm -hmm. for a while till we ran out of propane or it froze. I'm not sure. Yeah. And uh, I was worried. About <laughs> yeah, and, and you guys bought a box of the uh, hand, hand warmer packets. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was that ended up being a saving grace for me because for some reason the tips of my bogs were cold. So uh, eventually I had them in my hand, in my uh, gloves and I only had my shooting gloves with me. I didn't think to bring warm win winter months. And so I had them, the hand warmers in my gloves for a while. And then eventually I was just like, why can't I shake the cold in my boot? I don't understand. So I popped yeah. the, the warmers from my hands to my feet and then it just, it, that was fine. I took the edge off and then my boots were fine for the rest of the day. Yeah. And um, I will say definitely should have brought gloves, but I did make sure to wear a lot of layers. And for the most part, I was warm. The The propane heaters or the gas heaters were, were great. Um, but I found being outside was better than being inside the, <laughs> the club. It was cold. Yeah. In there. Being out in the sun is better. Yeah. Being in the sun is definitely better. Yeah. I don't Yeah. I side much at all that day and, and no I, no you you were you were go 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 too so yeah. um i'm just trying to think if there no. was anything Mo else. milwaukee heated vest for the win yes yeah, that's right i've been milwaukee you know i know what i for my my one thing i would do well two things i would do differently is one i want to get a stopwatch because trying to use my phone's stopwatch and then practice score at the same time is a mm -hmm. is a one um but two uh because all your friends are there but you don't get to socialize because you're running the dang match. Yeah. So I want to do something where I can socialize with my friends either before or after. So yeah. it, it stinks when you're doing all the stuff and it's like, so, I was like, hi, okay, I gotta go. And then <laughs> you're off running the, so did you find you had enough help or no? Like, could you oh, yeah, use no, another guy? Because like you say, maybe one guy running the timer and one guy running practice score, one guy spotting, right? I think, yeah, I think it went pretty good. I think everyone was really helping. It, it wasn't so much that it, it was, everyone did a great job. Um, I think it's just more like, it, you know, you feel the pressure and you're trying to stay on top of it. And I think I, no one had pra experience with practice scores. So I essentially learned it that day. And, and then, uh, you know, that that's kind of an important component of it for, for, yeah. to be um, so I think, 
more experience for everyone running that. So you can just hand it off and be like, here, uh, without someone erasing the scores or something like that. Yeah, for sure. That's happening. That would be bad. Um, but yeah, those are the only, the two things I would want to do differently for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll say for myself, I hadn't actually handled or shot my Savage since the scope was put on. So the first two stages I found especially was while I was prone getting the eye relief. And yeah. I do think that I need to modify the cheek rise a bit. Uh, also never shot with a bag before. Um, mm. So that was different and I had zero experience. So I knew I was going in blind, so I wasn't mad at myself, but these are things that, hey, if I had taken some extra time after the breakfast shoot and just brought the bag with me and practice shooting off, even just benching it and, and just shooting with the bag just to get a feel for it. Mm -hmm. uh, quite a bit of the time, I was pretty PO'd at this bag. Uh, I had to <laughs> hey, leave it. It hey. dropped off the tires. It dropped <laughs> off the tires. <laughs> and uh, quite often... I wasn't resting my gun and yeah. I felt like I was shooting pretty good considering I was not resting my gun. So <laughs> I, I wasn't mad at how I was doing considering I was still hitting some of the targets and I, I, I wasn't dead last. So we're okay. <laughs> um, it honestly, you, did, you shot really well. Well, thank you. But you know, the one silly thing was that I totally forgot in the moment on several occasions that I actually had a bolt action. So I would go and shoot and then I go and try and hit the thing again. I and I'm like, oh, that. I got to rack it back. Damn. I was thinking, oh man, I must shoot a semi-auto like all the time. I they, do. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> it, it was only with my scope. It's more like a visual thing for me, right? Well, yeah, because I took the ADHD, scope. I took the scope off the semi-auto. Semi so that's why. So <laughs> yeah. I'm not used to that. <laughs> And my mindset is that if I'm using the scope, I'm ready to go. Whereas <laughs> it, when it comes to ADHD, it's like things have to be in your face. And uh, at least with the bolt action with nothing on it, I could see it. And so I'd be like, oh, right. And it's something that I've repeatedly used on my semi-auto. So it, it was like, what the heck am I doing here? And I, I would forget to rack it back and put it forward. But uh, so dry firing would have been a good thing. Um, I will say having the bolt action, I felt helped me with the safety part of it because it was easy just to rack back. I think only once did I pull it forward to go, oh crap, I have to move and then yeah. have to rack it back and, uh, and then my you drop around. Yeah, drop around. That happened a lot. Yeah, a few uh, people had that happening. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, I mean, I just found it was easier to show clear. It was easier to show safe and uh, without any penalties. Because from what I understand, like if you do that move without it being safe, you will get a penalty for it. Uh, so oh, I was really cool. glad I went with the Savage. So um, I think it's a, that's a beautiful rifle. I really like that. Yeah. It's cool they offer it in left hand. I didn't realize they did. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. It was, was the first gun I bought, and it was one I had been researching for a while, was it not? And you helped me find that one. Yeah. At Clinton Sporting Goods, I well, think. Well, we knew – we. I think we had decided that's the rifle you were going to get, and then we went on the hunt for a left-handed, and that took a while. <laughs> that took a long time, and yeah. it turned out – I still. If you, I buy, if you buy new, you pay such a premium, right? Yeah, because right. it was it was about three three twenty at the time. That was two thousand and nineteen. You get a lot um, of 
Yeah, so it was it was three twenty new. I managed to get it two eighty nine. used, and it was yeah, it was dirty, but I mean it was. It's hardly used. It worked. It was hardly used otherwise, and it was. And I, uh, I was so mad. I, I have people have such a vendetta against left-handed people. Having to, I had to spend twenty dollars more than the one that was two sixty-nine there for a right-handed one. He had both of them, and it one was brand new, and it was like two sixty-nine on sale because it was the uh, carbon, the carbon fiber one rather than the wood stock. And I'm like, this is ridiculous, <laughs> but I digress. It's probably worth a lot more money now because left-handed is really hard to come by. So, yeah. And you know, for that price, you still get a lot of gun. Like those guns shoot really well. Yeah. And they shoot a variety of ammo. Like I've noticed with the Savage, the, the two that I got, that they they just shoot any ammo. They shoot for the most part really well. Yes, they really do. So, and I really wish I was kind of humming back and forth about whether I would want a bipod. Uh, but after the experience with the bag, I was like, maybe I should. But I did see a couple of the shooters fumbling with the whether how quickly they could close the bipod. Yeah. So, lo and behold, we get home. Josh forgot that he had a bipod in the safe. Oh no! And the thing was, he had it for his Savage A22, but it didn't fit properly. It just it never really hugged the bottom of the the. It goes there. on the it goes on the sling stud. There yeah, but go. with the A22, the sling stud is so far forward that it was it wouldn't get a a firm uh, mounting. Like it would rock a little bit because yeah. it wasn't sitting flat on enough of the stock. Yeah. So. Is it a Codwell one? Is it the Codwell bipod? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so he, Amanda's gun really well. Well, yeah. that's what he did. Is he put it well, on that's, there? That's the problem. Like, they, I, it's. I think it's solely because the the sling stud is so far forward. It just yeah. There's nothing to mount to no. solidly. Right? So he mounted it, and I was like, "Well, <laughs> this this could have made my life so much easier." But at the same time, um, it was another thing. It was another thing, yeah. and it wasn't something I was sure I would have liked so going through that experience i would say i definitely liked that uh i also would like to consider that like i'd be okay with the smaller version of this the or mini. maybe your bag that you have just a, a smaller bag in general uh i would also switch my snow pants to the bib style <laughs> keep warm is the, is the big one well well it was just more or less because i would I don't like bulk and I had a big bulky coat. So I would take off the coat. But once I got on the snow, my sweater was pulling up and my skin was on the bare snow. <laughs> so that wasn't so bad for like the two minutes that it was, but back and forth, I'm thinking the bib probably would have helped out with that situation a little bit better. And I could probably have worn less layers on top because I wore like three or four layers to keep myself warm for that reason. Well, that was the thing with the Milwaukee vest. It was fine until you went prone and you're laying on the battery. <laughs> oh, <you> no. <laughs> yeah. Hey, wait, then, this is pretty soupy out there. Yeah. 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 And then yeah. other than having winter mitts to switch to, because my shooting gloves were not winter friendly. They, they certainly were not. So. I was surprised nobody brought a shooting mat. I think people did. Like, I brought one. I know Ross. I had one in the truck, but nobody yeah. else was using it, so I didn't. It wasn't something i don't know that this discipline like 
I don't know, like, I don't see too many people coming along with them. It looks like the club kind of just puts out, or people will put out masks for, for each stage, like the firing position maybe, potentially. But, yeah, but with the and snow there, and I think everyone was pretty well equipped. Unless you're, a, unless you're a princess and don't want to set your gun down in the snow. Yes, unless you're, for, yeah, that goes out to the select two. There you go. <laughs> Jared Moore. They do, their CZs are beautiful, though. I will say that. They have yeah. 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 Well, the, 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 match I, the, the last match I went to, they just put a tarp down. So it kind yeah. of kept you off the snow. But then after a few people shot off of it, it was full of, you know. Mock yeah. anyway. Yeah. So. I was thinking, like, like was it AstroTurf or, like, the green outdoor carpety? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thing? Oh, my dogs. Don't scratch the couch. He, he wants to park the couch. So, <laughs> like, look like um but i was thinking that might be a good solution to that problem but i was i was worried because I, I do have like a vinyl tarp but i was worried people might slip and fall like if it got wet that was the only thing i was so i didn't end up bringing it oh wow oh no that that makes sense so little tidbits here and there yeah. and josh did you would you do anything else different well if you have a stage where you are allowed 10 rounds, you should make sure that your mag is loaded all the way to 10. <laughs> That's the, yeah. you know, it's not a shooting match unless I do some kind of bonehead thing somewhere. <laughs> and that, that was me. I don't, I don't know why I had three mags and I swear they were all loaded up to 10 and I just grabbed one with me. Cause this stage I only needed, well, after the first stage, you only needed one mag and uh, there was only six rounds in it. I'm like, I'm out. That wasn't 10. Was that 10? And Jay's like, no, that wasn't 10. <laughs> that was all I had. It was definitely not 10. I remember. No, no, it was loaded to six for some reason. And I thought they were all loaded to 10. So make sure. Double check. Yeah. Nope. Definitely had a lot of fun. And it was great to see other lady shooters out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was only one one point or 10 points. So one shot off from the uh, oh. to equal off with the. Uh, the leading lady. So that's a cool date. Yeah, exactly. And I, I tied with like, I was in the same, had the same score as two other guys too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was, I was pretty happy about that, that I was, I felt like I was well within my comfort level. Um, it, it was a good time, a nice group. Uh, really appreciated the invite out. And yeah. And, the, bar much. and yeah. the barbecue. That was great. Yeah, that was great. No, so, please come again. And what, what uh, I'd like to do differently, I guess if, if we can work it out, come the night before or spend the night and we'll leave. Yeah. Then you get to hang out. Cause that's the biggest, the, I think the most disappointing thing was not getting to hang out with anybody that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you guys went for dinner after, didn't you? We did. Yeah. So, and I, and for the next one, I scheduled that in on the itinerary. It's, oh, good. Uh, Post-match. Yeah. Um, we're gonna make reservations at a little last stage. That's the last stage. There you go. Oh, I should call it that. <laughs> the yeah. Last. yeah, that's a great one. But Any yeah. closing remarks, guys? I'm good. That was a blast. Thank you guys for coming up. No, yeah, thank you. No problem. That's that's my shout out. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, you guys. Are my shout out. There we go. That's okay. perfect. So we'll, we'll move on to events. Um, Jay, feel free to throw in any events that uh, Heronia will be throwing or anything local. Uh, but uh, the Milverton Running Gun will be hosting a chili dinner on Saturday, March 18th from 5 to 8 p.m. Uh, so you can buy tickets or pay at the door. So if you're in the Milverton, Ontario area, um, you know, you can feel free to message me if you would like to come. But it is pay at the door as well. Uh, adults are $15 and children on uh, 12 and under are 12 and you get uh, chili, 
lots of chili. We've got uh, a chili cook-off going on between all of our members. I might have so to we've go. got quite the variety going. Uh, we've got bun and a beverage, and a cash bar is available, and the musical talents of the keys and strings. So oh. uh, that'll be held at the <laughs> Perth East Recreation Center in Melverton. Yes, I'm very excited to see what this is. <laughs> this Are you? This band. This key, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it's country, but or kind of bluegrass style, probably. I don't know. It'll be interesting. So. That'll be fun. So uh, we didn't have any listener emails. Uh, so please feel free to send any feedback, questions, or comments that you may have at host at newshootercanada.ca, our Facebook page, Instagram, or the comment page on our website, newshootercanada.ca. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and leave us a comment and rating on iTunes. So shout outs. You kind of gave yours, but yeah, to Jay and everybody at the Huronia Club, that was awesome. Thank you for your hospitality and and the lunch and everything else, and letting us uh, invade your club. That was great. Yeah, you guys are always welcome. Likewise, my shout outs to you folks. Come, please come back up again soon. It'd be it'd be good to see you. Sorry, we were late. Yes. <laughs> no, you were fine. Yes, that you're very in. traffic. Very <laughs> traffic. That was that was brutal. Uh, I will also shout out Jay and the Heronia Gun Club. Uh, thank you so much for having us. I will also shout out uh, the directors at the Milverton Rod and Gun, doing such a great job trying to keep up with the club and all of its antics. And I'll shout out Jeff. Feel better, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff feel- with us today because he's on, under the weather. I think he did too much um, fun in the sun in Florida, but you know, I guess he's been back for a week and he's back to reality. So. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, Jay, do you have any shout outs? Uh, no, just to you two folks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Another round of, another round of shout outs. <laughs> All right. So Jay, you've had a month. Do you have a tagline? A tagline? Yeah. Oh, shoot. Uh, get off the bench. There, there, there we go. you go. I like it. <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much. Don't buy a tack driver. <laughs> No, it's a bag. There if goes I our Caldwell sponsorship, damn it. Yeah, if, if I didn't have my range bag that I already have, I would have kept it. Because I think for like a jumper, it's a good bag. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Choose your caliber wisely. Go ahead and shoot like a girl. Good, good night, night, everybody. That was fun. I really like 22 men. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or feedback you may have, or if you just want to call shenanigans. You can contact us at host at newshootercanada.ca or through our Facebook page. I like guns. I like guns.